Welcome to Flock Talk, a podcast of GCF North. Flock Talk exists to inform, encourage, and inspire. This is your host, Dave Farley, lead pastor of GCF North. This is season two, episode five. And I'm joined today by two very, very special guests, Jim and Katie Spaghettis. Uh, they've been married for 46. 46 years. They have six grown children and three grandchildren. Um, and we're interviewing them today on the subject of parenting older children. And the reason why is because they have older children. Uh, and my parents interview on the subject, uh, I think has been our most listened to podcast. So we, we realized there's an itch that needs to be scratched here. So with that said, um, Jim and Katie, welcome to the show. Great. Thanks for having us. Uh, why don't, why don't you, why don't you briefly tell us, um, what you do, where you live and any other fun facts about yourself? Well, we... We live on the south side of Spokane, on the South Hill by Comstock Park. I'm an attorney uh, by trade. Have, this is my 46 year as well, practicing law. And um, a daughter that was a paralegal, son that just passed the bar exam and has been admitted. So he's coming in to take over eventually. And uh, Spurgettis and son and yeah, daughter. Yeah. And then Lisa, of course, Malpass attends GCF North as well. She's in my office. She's great. So. Came from a grandson of four Greek immigrants that came over for a better life and had wonderful parents, wonderful upbringing. Um, yeah, just really blessed to, to have been born into a Greek community that supported and loved us and close relationships. And you know, my parents' friends became my friends and um, had a great aunt that her name was Lily Economist. That's one of my heroes in the faith that I grew up watching serve a very difficult husband to serve, Uncle Harry. So just a lot of blessings in my childhood. And, and then came here to law school, met Kate, Catholic's charismatic renewal. I was, I was raised Greek Orthodox, Katie was raised Catholic, and we got joined together, and here we are. So it's been, it's been quite a journey. But Katie, why don't you tell us about yeah. your six kids? Give us a brief okay. uh, explanation of what your kids are doing, how old they are. Our oldest is 43, living in Phoenix, Arizona. He's married and um, is hoping to have children, so he's a pilot down there. And then uh, Stephanie lives here in Spokane. She goes to the Valley GCF and just lives a mile from us and works in Jim's office as a paralegal. Greg is our third. He's married with three little girls that go here to GCF North. And he, like Jim said, is um, coming into the business with the idea that he's going to take it over eventually. Uh, Catherine is our fourth. She lives in Florida. She's a nurse and is an excellent nurse. Um, Beth lives in Seattle. She works for Canlas Restaurant and um, is great. And then Nicole is our youngest, she's 30, and she uh, does heart mapping for Boston Scientific. And she also lives in Seattle. So all your kids are gainfully employed. They They've launched, none of them are in jail. None of them. <laughs> <laughs> Although there was a day I wondered. <laughs> 
Well, we're, we're going to talk mostly about parenting um, teens. And in one sense, you never stop parenting your kids. Um, but but before we get to the, the teens, um, young adults area of parenting, um, any any advice for young parents? That is, um, parents with kids under the age of eight, nine, ten. Mm-hmm. Any any sage wisdom or advice, or, or any or any concerns you have as you as you think about the young couples at GCF. Any advice, any concerns you would have for those younger, younger families that are trying to raise kids? Yeah. It's a great question. I mean, in our culture, it's obvious that it's really pushing back against spanking as a form of discipline. Um, I think uh, the Bible is so clear on that. I think Proverbs has, I don't know how many, eight to ten probably verses on spanking. And I, I think the most important thing, I was reading this morning in my devotions, um, Hebrews 11 and then 12, you know, which 11, the great faith chapter. And, and it talks so much about apprehending God by faith. And, um, you know, you can't please God without it. And, and then also um, faith in God's way leads to blessing. And then you flip to Amos chapter 6. Um, don't think for a moment that our sins are concealed from God. And so I think parents have to really fear God more than anything in the way they raise their younger children. And you can't fear God without obeying his word. It's pretty simple. And so we've got to push back against the culture. Now, I know the podcast your parents did on spanking was really good. You balance that with lots of affection, et cetera. But I think um, if you fear God and not your children, you're going to, you're going to, be, in, you're going to be parenting well. Those younger children. So, so, which which child got spanked the most? Probably, probably Nick. Nick's um, the oldest. Yeah, um, <laughs> Nick, as you know, Dave, you and Nick, we lived close to you growing up, and the, those two were sort of the sneaky yacht at night, terrorizing neighborhood kids. <laughs> Me? <laughs> together. Yeah, yeah, together. <laughs> Definitely cohorts in crime for sure. But um, yeah, the boys, the boys needed more discipline. They're all, they're all so different. I mean, that's that's the other thing. You've got to spend time with your kids and get to know them, give them all lots of affection. Stephanie, I swear, came out of the womb a Christian from the day she was born. She just Just never, like John the Baptist. Yeah, she just never didn't follow the Lord. The other kids, of course, were much slower to come along, and and uh, Catherine you know, in Florida really isn't following the Lord. She's our only one, but um, yeah, so... I don't know. Kate, what do you, what do you think? That's, that stands out to me. Yeah. Well, I, I think something that you have to be really cognizant of is um, you can't be a perfect parent. You just won't do it. And your kids won't be perfect children. They won't turn out perfect. And you have to, um, the goal is to raise them up so that the Lord will be glorified. And there's a lot of tough days in parenting. And you think that changing diapers and taking care of toddlers is hard, but everything that you do in that season of life is preparation for the real hard days, which come when your kids become young adults, they're making life decisions and they have um, problems at school with friendships and teachers, and you will have to help them. If you've built a relationship with them, they'll come to you and talk to you about that, and you will, those are harder 
things to navigate, as I recall. We have six children, even our daughter that's not a Christian, that we really enjoy. And we have a really good relationship with them. And um, they have come and asked our advice and counsel on many things that have been a blessing and shocking all at the same time because we look at each other and say, I never would have talked to my parents about this. So you're kind of building when they're younger on that future relationship. And so, so how do you, how do you cultivate that, cultivate that relationship with your children when they are young? So they'll come to you later. What, what did you guys do to cultivate that? Well, a lot of it, I, th- I think at Nick a lot, our oldest, um, Nick was, you know, 11 varsity letters at LC high school, a good athlete, busy, um, kind of one of those kind of kids that people looked up to, but he loved to come in about 10 o'clock at night, lie on her bed and talk. And I kept, we kept thinking, I got to get up early. <laughs> How do I keep my eyes open? So you have to be available when your kids want to communicate. You can't always be on your terms. And we had some precious moments with him in that regard. And all the kids had their different ways of wanting to spend time. You know, I would try to take them out alone. Katie was always available. I mean, our boys used to love to, when the girls too would love to come home from like high school and sit at the island and just talk to their mom while she prepared dinner. And I mean, the boys to this day talk about how special that was to have a time with their mom. And uh, having um, Katie, who was always available, uh, fortunately didn't have to work outside the home, was, was uh, I think, a real, a real key to that, building that relationship with our children for older years. And we went to their sporting events. I would leave the office at 3 and go to a track meet and then go back after dinner at night. We had family dinners. was really important. Uh, I can remember Nick saying once, why do we have to have family dinners? None of our friends have family dinners. I said, well, we're spaghettis. We have family dinners, and we go to church on Sunday. <laughs> and, you know, you're not going to play select soccer, so you're in Seattle every other weekend, and you miss church. We're okay, let's, let's, let's pause and talk about that particular yeah. issue, because um, right now there, there is such an idol in our culture of sport. And, and I love sports. You love sports, although you, you grew up a Bears fan and a Bulls fan and a White Sox or Cubs fan? Cubs fan all the way, grew man. North Sider, no South Sider, no North Sider. Um, sure. And, and you, you, had, you had two boys that played Division One athletics. Greg played basketball and, and Nick played football in college. So you had very athletic kids. Um, but I know that you, you said no to a lot of things that took you out of Sunday worship, and, and you received some pushback. So, so talk us through how you thought about that whole issue of sports and the Lord's Day worship. Yeah, it, it was hard um, because, because of that. Um, we tried, we just told the kids, and when they joined these teams, we would tell the, the coach and the parents, um, we're, we go to church on Sunday, so Nick's probably not going to be available most of the time if you schedule games on Sunday morning. Just want you to know that going in. And obviously, with his athleticism, he was he was really fast. He was a sprinter in in high school, and so he was a striker, and he had a lot of speed. And soccer, that's great. But I just told them going in, it's not going to be that way. Now we made exceptions periodically because ultimately you're after their heart, and if the rules were too rigid, you could lose them. So we would make exceptions, but not very often. And I said, Nick, the Bible commands Christians to gather on Sunday and be with other Christians. That's we're going to obey God's word. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. 
And that was sort of the basis for it. And so we would typically let them do one sport a season. And um, so Nick would do football, basketball, and track. Greg would do basketball. Mainly, he was mainly a basketball player. Um, and the girls did soccer, track, things like that, cross country. Okay. So we, we minimized the number of commitments to keep our family together. So Sunday worship, family dinners. And, and you had to fight for that, didn't you? Did have to fight for it often. Yeah. yeah. We, we well, also held dinner time sacred. Yeah. And if we had a basketball game, which were always in the evening during the week, we would rearrange dinner so that we would still have dinner together. So by doing that, I would have dinner prepared, go to the game, and we'd come home and have dinner. Or um, I, we never allowed the kids to do um, chosen events during the dinner hour. There's a lot of stuff that's available to do, but it was always 5.30 to 6 type of hours, and we just immediately eliminated that. And Jim, even though he would go back to the office often at night, he would be home for dinner, and then he would go back to the office. Mm -hmm. And so um, that was a very important aspect of our family life and expectation of our kids. So speaking of the family dinner hour, what, what did family worship look like for you guys? It was pretty simple. <laughs> we would, I would just open the Bible, read a passage, and we'd talk about it. And it would last, you know, and the, a lot of the girls were flipping through their hair looking for split ends that they needed to cut off, and the boys looked like they were looking at the ceiling, and I kept thinking sometimes, what are we doing? <laughs> Who are we kidding? But we just stayed at it, and... Um, I think it bore great fruit later on. I mean, you know, the Bible talks about bearing fruit, and sometimes it takes years before you see that fruit come off those trees. And so you just got to stick with it. You got to walk by faith, not by sight. And, uh, yeah, we just persevered and prayed a lot, of course. Kate, what do you think? What else? Yeah, I, I, think, um, I, I think it was hard. It wasn't easy to have family devotions. Kids don't want to do family devotion after they've eaten. They want to roll and go do whatever they wanted to do for the evening. So it's just a matter of persevering and doing it anyway. I mean, there's a lot of things you have to do in parenting. Your kids are going to not want to do or want to hear, but you do it anyway because it's the right thing to do. And, and we're raising up soldiers for Christ. And part of that is soldiers do a lot of training that they don't want to do. It's really hard. And you just have to have long-term yeah. expectations and long-term um, thought processes for future goals. Th these are momentary things that are building on the future. I, I knew as ineffective as I probably wasn't good at it, family devotions. It pleased God that we did it. And that was the most important thing that we got across to our children. That dad, at least dad's trying to please the Lord here. And, and I think that speaks to those kids. They're intuitive. And, and so and our examples really important. Yeah. Kids really, um, they're watching all the time. Our example, are we just, so many of the kids that grew up in homes that they fall away from the Lord is because of an example they saw. Their parents would say one thing, but they would do another. And so you have to be really careful if you're going to preach the word that you live the word, that 
If you say don't lie, you can't lie. If you say don't gossip, you shouldn't be gossiping because that'll speak more volume to your kids if you go against what you're telling them to do. So um, you, you have to be very wise. And I mean, I, I pray for wisdom for the two of us and discernment every day because there's a lot that comes at us and comes at our kids and we don't always have the answers. So how, how does your role change when your kids are out of the house? You never stop being a parent uh, of your six kids, two are married. Um, and so I'm assuming that your, your daughters are probably coming to you often for advice, mm-hmm. but how, how does the role change when, when the kids are out of the house through college into their careers? What happens at that point? And what, what advice would you have for other parents with grown children, especially that are single? Yeah, I think, you know, keeping the lines of communication open is really important. So some of our kids um, are really good to call us. Others, we call them more often. Just That's just who they are personality-wise. So I think it, it lets them know that you care no matter how old they are. And you want to listen and be there for advice. I can remember Nicole was dating a guy that wasn't a Christian. She really liked this guy. And um, she was home one weekend, and I sat down, and I, I read her about um, Sarah um, leaving Sodom and Gomorrah and looking back and regretting leaving and was turned into a pillar of salt. I said, Nicole, this is where you're at in this relationship. It had been the second time she'd done this with a non-Christian. I said, you know you can't marry a non-Christian. And if you don't break this off, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to turn out like Sarah, figuratively. That was a hard conversation to have with her because she, she's really fun. She's, <laughs> she's pretty. She's intelligent. But she, but she was lonely, and she wanted a relationship, and she wanted to be married. And so that was a turning point for her, you know, and, and breaking it off and really, really, you know, solidifying her commitment to walk with Christ. And that couldn't have happened if we hadn't kept those lines of communication opened and give them lots of affection when we see them. And I don't know. I, I also think that um, in the process of your kids growing up, you're building a relationship with them. And you're either building a relationship where you're off-putting or you are saying, I love you, I care about you, I pray for you every day. And, um, but you have to approach adult children more with hands off and say, how are you doing? And don't always give advice. They don't want you. You can tell when they don't want your advice. They just want to tell you about something and respect that mm-hmm. and, and pray for them because they may not be making the best decisions, but they're adults and they have to learn just like I did how to make decisions and how to um, be wise and discerning in their own life. We're not always going to be here. They can't depend on us, but I want to be an influence in their life, but I want them to come to me and ask me for advice. And I, I would, I was thinking about our daughter, who lives in Florida, who's not walking with the Lord. There's no guarantee our kids are going to walk with the Lord. And we still have left the lines of communication open with her 
which I think is really important because we pray for her all the time, the whole family does, that she will turn back to the Lord. And we want those lines of communications open um, when she does and that we can support her and encourage her. And so, um, I, again, I think we, um, we need to be really wise and discerning with our older kids. And my parents were very hands-off, and yet I knew they loved me and cared about me. I could have talked to them about anything, and they were, they were very wise people. And I, I want those, those, re, those kind of relationships. Mm-hmm. I used, you know, Nicole as an example, and just in fairness to her, I don't mean to put it in a negative light at all, because she, she really, uh, we've had some other situations with her, with, well, with Beth, with all the kids, but she... Um, she, she has a lot of, I think more wisdom than, than I would have given her credit for early on when she was a younger adult, she's really matured and we've become really proud of her that, um, we can just kind of let go and, and trust in her, her ability to make wise decisions. And she's proven that she's capable of doing that. And Beth has been the same way. And mm-hmm. Stephanie's always been that way. Like I said, she just is one of those unique kids that the Lord just grabbed at a, at a really, really young age and just never, she's never looked back in her walk with the Lord. But Well, and I think you have to not, don't underestimate the power of prayer. Yeah. We pray for our kids all the time. And we, you know, and we watch and see what the Lord does. And he always, he takes care of them. And we see, we've seen a lot of growth and change in our kids over the years. That's been really positive. They're, they're so much farther along than we were at the same age. I think one thing to add to that, Dave, too, is I, I, I say this a lot. It's something I read a long time ago about Kate. And it applies to, to our, our kids, our daughters. And, you know, um, Katie's my wife, but more importantly, she's God's daughter. And God's very jealous of his daughters. And when that hit me one day several years ago, I thought, oh, my goodness, I better be careful. He's entrusted one of his daughters to me. I better watch what I'm doing pretty carefully because he's not going to like it if I mistreat his daughter. Well, our natural children are the same way. They're Christ's daughters. And he really cares for them, and he will care for them, despite our adequacies a lot of the time. So that's really comforting to know. That's why prayer is so important. And, um, but I just, I take a lot of comfort in the fact that God loves his daughters and will care for them. So one, one last question. We're getting low on time. Um, if, if, if you could give one piece of advice to uh, parents of teens, what would it be? Don't lose hope. And, um, teens are hard because they are branching into independence away from you. And I would say specifically what I remember very distinctly is our boys broke away from me emotionally, which was very painful for me. It was hard, but it was the right thing for them to do. Um, you need to allow young men to grow up and be men, and that does not mean under the thumb of mom. And um, that, that was hard, but they came back. And we have a really great relationship now. And 
Um, it's just a real change. You want your young men to become young men that are not needy for their mom. Yeah, I would just add, I think, keep the communication lines open. Um, let them know that you care about them by calling them, by going to see them. Praying, tell them you're praying for them is really important. And uh, and enjoy the journey. Yeah. It, it's a journey in life. And we love our kids. We really enjoy them as adults. We love spending time with them. And I consider that a privilege. Well, Jim and Katie, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for raising six children. Jim, thanks for serving as an elder of GCF Central. You're welcome. Great to be here. And thanks for listening to Flock Talk, a ministry of GCF North. GCF North exists to glorify God through gospel-centered worship, evangelism, discipleship. Uh, to learn more, go to our website, gcfnorthspokane.org.